2: The following is an episode of the Ace of Geeks podcast. The following episode contains spoilers for the new Dune movie, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and the final episode of Marvel's What If. We also talk about Dune's influence on Warhammer 40K, Taylor Lodner's spooky glow-up, the tabletop RPG Knights Black Agent. Metroid Dread, and the book Where Dreams Descend, which I understand features a certain operatic phantom. Thanks for listening, friends, and as always, welcome to the warm hug of geekdom. Uh, where, is it? where is the? Hello, listeners! Welcome
3: back to no! another exciting episode of the. A-
0: Okay, somebody asked me how Dune was.
1: How was, so, how was Dune?
4: But I, I don't... don't know. Whoa!
0: <laughs> this is why I've been wanting to talk about this all week, and I've been so unable to wait for this podcast. Someone asked me if I enjoyed the movie Dune. I mean, I if... actually did
1: ask you if you enjoyed the movie Dune. After yeah, you and I watched believe it. my response was no, yes, maybe.
0: Okay, so uh, first of all, I'm the only one who's seen it, so this is not going to be a spoiler podcast. So there's no need to hit the roar. Uh, but I did get to see Dune at an early screening. Uh the thank you very much uh to Marianne Butler, friends friend of the podcast for getting me in on that screening. Uh it was it was a lot of fun and there was a Q and A with the director afterwards and I couldn't stay for that because my blood sugar crashed hardcore because I hadn't eaten anything that day and it was a three hour movie.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> which may so have I also that may have also played into your ability to enjoy the
0: movie. Possibly. <laughs> sure. Very possibly. Um okay. So Dune I read as a, I read the book in middle school. I don't remember much rough, of it, but I remember... Rough, rough time to read that book. <laughs> yeah. I bounced off the two towers and then jumped on Dune. That was a decision. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. sighs>
2: so here's, here's what I remember about the basic plot of uh, Dune. Um, there are a bunch of people who are like fancy, well-to-do people, and they come to this planet in order to make money, and also there's weird religious stuff. Uh, and this one kid from this family somehow ends up in the desert stranded and gets adopted by desert people who he proves his worth to but with uh... the uh... old-timey reliable convention of blood sport um... Yep.
0: after a while and stop the only reason i say it, and stop you have now described the the plot of as the movie is actually called in the opening title sequence dune part 1.
2: Oh, okay whoa hold up Uh, Yeah, because after that they get into the Erzot's gummy snack stuff. Mm
0: -hmm. So this is a three-hour movie uh, that is meant to be, I imagine, part of at least a trilogy of movies covering the first book. Um, And the first book is dense dense enough that I think that is not unwarranted. Uh, But
4: was this three-hour movie drawn out?
0: (sighs) Okay, so Dennis Villanueva has a style. He's a director. director. He did Arrival. He did Blade Runner 2409. He has a style, and that style is a lot of slow push-ins on very meaningful things. Sometimes it's the actors brooding at the camera. Sometimes it's objects that have symbolism. This is not necessarily a bad thing. The problem is, the main characters of... Well, no, not the main characters of Dune. I would say... Jason Momoa's character is very interesting. Duncan Josh Idaho. Brolin's, yes, Duncan Idaho. Josh Brolin's character, Gertie, Gertie? Gertie uh, is very interesting. Uh, um, Oscar Isaac's uh, character, Duke Leo Atreides, is mm-hmm. very interesting. Uh, um, Paul Atreides' mother is... Well, she has... The, the character build-up seems like it has potential to be really interesting. And Rebecca Ferguson is a fantastic actor her role in this film seems to be to have panic attacks from beginning to end.
1: Oh Oh my God. It's almost like this is a fantasy sci-fi fantasy novel written by a man. (laughs) Hmm. Okay. Sure.
2: But like, yeah, uh, my dad back in the day did rent like alternative, like, like, This is not the first time Dune has been attempted as a movie. No, it's Um, the Oh my
1: God. I can talk about the old movie. So, (laughs) So yeah. It came out in the
2: year we were born. (laughs) Yeah. In one of the older movies, one of the older takes on this as a movie, uh, the mom always came across as more like, not really, not so much sinister, as definitely plotting.
0: Yeah, because the the gender, the... The Benny Gesserit? Is that what they're called? The, yes, um, the Bene Gesserit. The Bene Gesserit, who she belongs to, are sinister. And she, what they do in the movie that I really like is that she's actually torn between her loyalty to a super sinister organization and her actual love for her son. That's great.
4: And they oh, do that well. That's good, because that was like one of the good parts of the book.
0: Yeah. let me, let, me, let me take it back. The beginning of the movie, I really thought oh shit, this is going to be a life-changing thing. Like, the designs of everything were so oh, yeah, fucking cool. The soundtrack important. was so fucking cool. The cinematography was so fucking cool. Um, it was just as the movie continued and continued to feel like nothing was happening. And then Ooh. when things did happen, I was supposed to connect... I mean, Paul is the viewpoint character of the film. He is the main character. You are supposed to be 100% on board with Paul Atreides. The problem is, and I don't even think this is—I um, uh, forgot the actor's name, but uh, the actor who plays Paul's uh, fault. There's really not much to him, at least in this part of the story. He is right. the—he bro- is a brooding teenager, true. and he broods. <laughs> uh, and it's not super sympathetic. What I was trying to do in my head after the movie, because I was like, "All right, Lord of the Rings did the same thing. It is also a like." extremely drawn out version of the story as opposed to trying to tell it super fast and rushed um why did i like that and all six endings of return of the king and why was i annoyed by dune and i think it's because lord of the rings goes out of its way very very early to be like these this is frodo and sam you will love them they're great people here are why you should love them they're great people." uh and that's just we'll be reinforcing
2: this as we go uh-huh
0: and so it's just enough to hook you into caring about them as the story starts to wind whereas dune i just never felt anything for paul atreides um
4: i have to say this to me, speaks great things about the movie because that's how I felt about the book. He is yeah. not my favorite character.
0: <laughs> it, might, it might be a perfect adaptation, and that's what I don't know because I don't remember the book that well. Everyone who was next to me, like uh, my friend uh, Xander, who designed the logo for this podcast, was there, and mm-hmm. he was ecstatic the whole movie. Like, anytime anything happens, like an ornithopter taking off, he was just, like, jumping up and down in his seat. Um, so I think if you're a Dune fan, this movie will
4: blow Knock you away, rock off. your socks yeah. off.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think... So I was trying really hard to be on for the movie, to be like, okay, but I'm giving this a chance. And I, it, again, it was like... It, all of the stuff with the family and all of that stuff was really interesting. Uh, so there was this moment where House Atreides first gets to Arrakis. And mm-hmm. it is this in this incredibly slow sequence of their ship like landing on the planet and it's very dramatic and it's beautifully shot and the door slowly opens and all the beautiful cast are standing there looking beautiful and then i don't know why this choice was made a man starts playing the bagpipes but not just playing the bagpipes playing, like, a straight-up funeral dirge, which is, I guess, supposed to be the song of House of Atreides. So, like, our heroic That's characters tracks. are marching off the ship to, like, drrr, 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 drrr. and it's just, like, I I couldn't help but laugh, and I felt bad laughing, because I don't want to be that guy who sits in a movie theater and is like, yeah, hey, this movie's dumb, because it wasn't dumb. It was just, and there's all this stuff, like, you know, House G-G. Atreides is, you no, know, um, but self-important. Uh, there's mm. all this stuff, for example, that, like, you mm. know... House Atreides, I guess, has a history of being bullfighters. And I think that's a big metaphorical piece uh, in the filmmaker's mind. Because whenever a member of House Atreides was making a difficult decision, there would be a long camera hold on the head of a bull on the wall. Or a statue of a bullfighter. Which just felt kind of anachronistic because it was the future. And, like... Mm-hmm my brain was like, why would you still have bullfighting? And
1: so I guess it's a
0: horrible future world.
1: Well, there's also probably (laughs) like a lot of background symbolism that is expounded upon in the book. And
4: like, and and I
1: I think that's kind of like where, um, again, like Lord of the Rings has been attempted to be made into movies many, many times. And And, like, I think Peter Jackson did a really good job because he loved the source material, and so he, like, brought in all of that extra stuff. So that's potentially what uh, uh, Villanueva did in Dune. But having not read the book and really only seen the really trippy-ass 80s um version with sting but with like drawn color like <laughs> it is wild <laughs> that movie is wild this, this movie really like,
0: seemed to push as hard as it could <sighs> in the opposite direction of like this is going to be realistic and grounded um
1: well it, it wasn't even like it wasn't wild in in the, like, fantasy aspect to it. It was just, you can tell that they wanted to do things, but, like, the technology just wasn't quite there. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So they just went, like, a different way with it because that's what you had to do if you don't have CG. And so, I mean, for me personally, I'm kind of excited to see the new movie just to kind of see what we can do with CG. I want to watch it
0: with you so I can see what you think about it because you're my favorite girl and I'm curious yeah. to see and like I've loved arrival. Arrival is one of my favorite movies uh in the universe. Um, arrival
1: was one of the few movies where it got me cuz normally I can tell like what the twist is going to be and arrival I was like oh well played. Well played. <laughs> that was I enjoyed really it. good. Yeah. Yeah. Is this the same um,
4: guy who did Blade Runner 2049?
0: That's correct. Yeah.
4: I I have to say, what you're saying doesn't surprise me, because a lot of Blade Runner 2049 was like, what if Blade Runner was more in line with, do Android stream of electric sheep? But we can't do that, so we'll just rehash a lot of those themes. It sounds mm. like he really... Like is deep in what the book is saying without dialogue and trying to find those like incredibly obvious ways to show them yeah. i'm I am looking forward to it
0: it didn't feel like some movies when they're trying to symbolism, it's like beating you over the head. this didn't feel like it. this felt like it had quote unquote something to say. it just didn't. I don't
1: know. It... The message didn't come through. Yeah, or maybe it
0: would have if I was a huge fan of the book and I knew what I was looking for. And maybe there'll be people in our e- email who are like, you idiot, it obviously means this. You know, the bowl is symbolism for blah, blah, blah. Um,
1: well, it's... hey, then they'll be emailing us. So that's great. <laughs> Let's get a dialogue started. Well
2: yeah, well, clearly when, when he... the when the male and the female character go off screen together and then there's you see in the background, there's the person splatting red
4: paint on a phallic object? Symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> I I do have a few basic questions about theme Please. that I'm I'm wondering if this does come through. How do you feel about the empire by the end of the film?
0: Oh god, they're the worst. I mean, they were the worst at the beginning of the film, and mm-hmm. by the end of the film, they're even more the worst.
4: Cool. How do you feel about the Fremen?
0: Uh, okay, so this is actually something I should talk about. The Fremen seem super cool from the beginning of the film. They're very clear right up front. The Fremen are good. They are the good guys. There's nothing bad about the Fremen. You know, uh, uh, Leo Atreides is trying to make an alliance with the Fremen, whereas uh, Duke Harkonnen was oppressing them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, you know, there's this big thing about the, um, uh, I forgot their names, even though I just said it.
4: Bene Gesserit. Ben
0: Gesserit. Um, there's a big thing about how, uh, you know, they've been on planet and planting rumors that Paul Atreides is this savior, but what that leads to is the optics of Paul, uh, Paul Atreides, small, skinny white boy, getting off the ship on the planet, and then, uh, Watching
1: people.
0: well, watching a bunch of people in what seems to be, um, you know, traditional Arabic dress chanting his name from behind, like, uh, from behind a barrier, while the rich white people get off a plane. It just, it. I mean, I know it is the original white cool. savior
4: story. Yeah, but well, I, one of it, the ol- an older one. Yeah, no, that yeah. I have to say, it does sound like you read the book. That's pretty much what the book was like. It's it's so heavy in that theme. You cannot believe how deep Paul gets up the butt of the savior that he is for this world and these people. At one point, he becomes a god by merging
0: himself with a worm. It's just... Yeah, I think I remember that. It's
4: a wild story, and I I am kind of pleased that the movie also is like, yes, this is very self-serious bullshit.
0: Yeah, I mean that in that it is definitely gets gets across what it was going for. I don't know, I just wanted to like it so bad. Mm-hmm. There were so many moments in it that were super interesting. Um and like there was the I think part of the problem too is that um like weirdly with actors like Oscar Isaac and Rebecca Ferguson, uh the person who felt the most natural in the movie was Jason Momoa who is, you know, He's but he' always natural, right? right. But he's, but his, but Duncan Idaho felt like the most believable part of the world. The world didn't feel lived in. It didn't feel like these people. It
1: felt like a movie.
0: Yeah,
4: mm-hmm. yeah. I um, could see
1: that. Yeah, it was also probably an enormous amount of pressure oh, for yeah. a lot of these characters. Oh yeah, and a lot of these actors. You know, because like Dune is definitely one of those sci-fi franchises that like you were either in it or you Mm -hmm. legit have no clue what the hell's happening. Yeah. You know, and so like if you are making a movie for the people who are in it, like you're like, holy shit, people are really, really going to be nitpicking the shit out of this this thing. And so I I was thinking also like why maybe Lord the Lord of the Rings story like Speaks to you more than say like this prissy white boy sort of thing and it's like there's a difference between the reluctant hero and the person who just wants to do the right thing but yet they are the everyman and usually whenever it's an aristocratic reluctant hero it is the most annoying shit ever <laughs> because you were like you have all the power all the privilege. Just get over yourself and fucking do it. Whereas the, when it's like the poor person mm. who just wants to do the right thing, you're like, come on, you can do it. You know, like you end up really rooting for them. And I'm yeah, looking at no. you Harry Potter book five. Oh, my God. Basically, I wanted to slap Harry. Yeah, basically but you're like,
2: laying out the difference between person with privilege who can't deal with responsibility and person who would take on the responsibility if only they felt like they had the
4: tools. Exactly. It's true, and the responsibilities in that world are, like, mind-bogglingly mind dumb. Like, it, people should yeah. not be put into that situation. Also, the story itself does not resolve that and only adds more.
3: Right. Um, right.
4: The, the way in which the setting itself has been made to make Paul this Larry Stew is so deeply baked into how it was written. Like, these women, <laughs> the Bene Gesserit, have been fucking with Matt, like literally doing sex and body magic for thousands of years in a breeding program to produce him because they believe that the world is set. I, I might be getting this part wrong. I read an essay on the religion of this thing last year and it's why it's Kind of in my head, mm-hmm. the world is set, but they want to produce a person who can break through and make like choices that cannot be made and will be able to see the future and so everything kind of boils down to this kid way before he 's born it 's like the author was saying you 're not getting out of this one you 're stuck
0: yeah <sighs> yeah, yeah i don 't know it, like it it seemed like there was an interesting story in there, and the, my my final takeaway was. I think this will be considered a good Dune, but I don't think it'll be considered the definitive adaptation that fans have been looking for. And I think in another 20, 30, 40 years, another filmmaker is going to give it a try. And I, I don't know that it's going to connect enough with audiences. I don't know that there's the Dune fandom that like to to make this movie the kind of hit it would need to be to justify the budget that would make another four or five of these or whatever many he needs to tell the story. Oh, there was another part that I giggled at um, that I think was unintentional, where uh, <laughs> the Duke Harkonnen uh, dramatically rose onto his floating platform and declared it was my dude, and it was just really funny. Uh,
4: yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: is this, is, well this
2: said, the, but... is this the Duke Harkonnen who is the uh, trope namer for the band
0: Harkonnen knife fight? Uh,
1: yes. Probably. Okay. Probably. Probably. Yes.
0: Okay. I mean, yeah. not probably. Yes. Harkonnen and Knife fight is named after that particular you, house Harkonnen. You
4: do okay. get to see the blood feud, right? That's uh, in the beginning, isn't it?
0: Kind of? Not really. <laughs> you don't really know. You know, you get to learn that um, Harkon, Harkonnen is in charge of Arrakis and everybody hates them. And then you find out that um, uh, Atreides has gotten uh, charge of uh, Arrakis, but mm-hmm. they think it's a trap from the start because it is. Uh, and, you I know. Who
1: would have guessed?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think I think there's... It's, I felt like there was a lot more wheeling and dealing in the book to explain why Harkonnen got their hands on you there, know, the Emperor's special military forces to come and fuck shit up on uh, Arrakis.
4: I don't remember when they fully explained that, but there is a lot of politics. I'm just not sure what... I haven't read this book since I was 14.
0: Yeah, if you came to the... Uh, if, like, political meetings and negotiations are a big thing in the Dune book, uh, don't come to this
4: expecting them. It's much oh. more of a
0: character thing.
4: Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I don't know. That seems positive.
0: There's actually... Uh, one uh there's one political meeting and it leads to the one of i think i counted maybe five moments of levity i won't call them jokes uh, in the whole film mm-hmm. <laughs> the one time that we were supposed to laugh that i think everyone laughed oh.
1: uh, so would you su- would you suggest needing to watch it knowing something about dune
0: i would think it would help a lot i don't Maybe, like, people who are into, because, like, I was never into Blade Runner, to be honest, like, and I know people who are like, that's the greatest sci-fi movie ever made, uh, and to I've me, re- yeah,
4: I um, recently it, rewatched it, it's pretty good, I wouldn't say it's the best,
0: yeah, um, so, you know, Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean
4: you know what I think. I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Uh, so I think
0: I think, think people who love that kind of glacially paced uh, thing will probably get a kick out of it. Okay. Uh, it certainly isn't as weird or as wild as the David Lynch dune. Uh, okay. So,
2: so there aren't like there there isn't Leto speaking in iambic pentameter.
0: No, and there's no like cod cod pieces worn by rock stars. weird.
3: Uh I think
1: I was scarred from that movie. Like, legit. I saw it when I was, like, eight, maybe? And I still, like, can see the guy in the bathtub and then the floating baby thing and then Sting in his, like, weird technicolor. Oh, my God. Like, it is seared into my brain. It's horrible.
4: Are you talking about the navigator?
1: I have no idea. I just know he was a big blob. I mean, he made pizza the hut look hot. So, Oh, like, wow. that's that might just an be Duke Harkonnen. Uh, <laughs>
4: yeah. 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 yeah.
1: It was just nasty. And then like I think at one point he like l- levitates and he has like a little hover, but he has like Okay,
0: yes, that is tiny ass
1: like diaper on uh, like
0: They don't make Duke Harkonnen nearly oh. that uh gross in this film. Uh <sighs> No diapers anyway, but and you I mean, need I mean like a big not... fat guy in a tub because if you need evil, you got to go straight for a big fat guy, right? And and mm. like I I
1: don't I don't think that you know like big is beautiful. I I do think that like big is beautiful, but man, oh god, oh god, he's yeah. like oozy and just like yeah,
0: it's the it's the oozing that's the problem. Not oh, the... God. Oof. Welcome. Um, but yeah, that was one other thing that I wanted to say as a fight choreography thing. Um, so they have this cool thing in the book and I've seen it in both movies, um, uh, where they everybody's wearing a force field so you know, anything that's moving mm-hmm. fast won't hit them. Um and so you have to uh, you know um you have to hit with like the slow blade they call it. So like you have to have a weapon moving slower to pierce the force field and actually damage somebody. But then, yeah. when you get to the fight scenes, everybody's just doing cool kung fu shit, and like, you never see them actually slow down to insert the blade. And I think that was, a, as a fight choreographer, would have been a really cool idea.
4: So, oh, that's I too Seems bad. Like a missed
0: opportunity. Yeah. But uh. yes, that's my thoughts on Dune. It I didn't love it, um, but you might, and don't take my opinion. I'm not calling it a bad movie. I'm just calling it not for me. Because yeah. I also don't believe this is the biggest bad movie that's been covered on this show before.
4: <laughs> it's true. Could I um, could
0: I ask for
2: just, just a moment of clarification? Yes. The Spice Must Flow and Blood for the Blood God are different things, right? Those are from different, are different... yeah different yeah, franchises.
4: Different yes, franchise. Okay. One of them is based limitedly on the other. The 40K is yeah, heavily 40K influenced has, by Dune.
0: Okay. Yes. Dune and Star Wars and a million other things because it was originally a satire. But yeah, okay. blood mm. for the blood god is from is from uh, 40k, whereas the spice must flow is from Dune.
1: Yeah. Yes. And also, walking without rhythm, so you don't disturb the worm. Oh,
0: that That's the right. All oh, these poor guys. So there is no way to make walking without <laughs> rhythm not look stupid. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess. And so, like, they, they, they ended up just cutting around it most of the time because this very serious seeds. and then it's like, okay, we have to walk across the sand without rhythm, and they just looked. So not good.
1: I'm no. just imagining Monty Python's Ministry of Funny Walks, kind of what That's kind, like of,
0: what it was. That's kind <laughs> of what it was. The easiest oh, no. way they could have done it
2: was, oh, I don't, I don't know how to not have rhythm here. What's this? Just drink it. Ugh, it tastes <laughs> terrible. Yeah, it's vodka. <laughs> <laughs> drink all of
4: it. Come on. Or. <laughs> Or you know what you got to do is just betray each other because guilty feet don't got no rhythm.
0: Oh, oh, boy. damn! <laughs> well, I think that's enough of what I do. <laughs> Speaking of
4: Brandon Sanderson, I finished time and again, and I restarted. Not restarted. I didn't want to reread the beginning so I went back to my place in the way of kings as it turns out I got as far as chapter 8 last time so that's right. where I am right now
1: <laughs> nice I was also gonna say if you want recommendations of a different Sanderson series the mm. Wax and Wayne books oh yeah you'll like are really really good it's his Mistborn series Ooh. but in the wild wild west
4: that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And yeah, theme um, industrial.
1: Yeah. Yeah, theme punk industrial. Uh, however, just like Mistborn, the second or the third book gets real sad.
4: Oh um, yeah. But then
1: he brings it back.
4: I've it's read. Like, it. I've read Alloy of Law. Oh,
0: Alloy
1: of Law doesn't get sad. Alois 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 doesn't. No, Alloy of Law doesn't.
4: No, but that that's, the, that's the first one in this series. I've yeah, seen that one. Yeah. Or read it um, rather. That's, really that's
0: good. one of my favorite
4: books.
1: Really, really good.
4: It had a really good action.
1: Yeah. And also, Wax and Wayne are just great characters. Mm. They're really, really awesome. Uh, But that one is a bit of a sausage fest. There's not really good female characters in it. I mean, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, because she ends up like... Anyways, I have to say, me personally, I, I love world building and I love big mythos and stuff. I do not like being lectured about it in a book.
3: Mm, mm. So, like,
1: I don't feel like I am taking a graduate-level course when I'm reading a book, you know?
2: Yeah, which is what makes Dune kind of inaccessible for a lot of people.
1: Well, And I would also say Tolkien sure, yeah, to yeah. some extent. Because, like, no the footnotes for someone it's a, it's... who has, like, yeah. research OCD yeah. that I have to read every footnote... It's horrible. It's a horrible reading experience. I just mm. ugh, I did not like it. That's why I've never finished those books.
0: It's weird mm. because I I yeah, well, I have similar feelings to you, but I never felt that about Lord of the Rings. At least the second time I read them, when I read them as a kid, I definitely bounced off them hard, but yeah, the second time I read them it was uh high school because the movies were coming out and I didn't want to be that guy who had never read the books and the uh, Lord of the Rings books and saw the movie and said,
1: "Yeah. Though I do have to say, like I'm kind of mad at Peter Jackson with The Hobbit that he has allowed Hollywood to believe that multi-part movies are okay. That wasn't his fault,
0: though. That was the studio being like, "We need, we need another trilogy." <sighs>
1: but of, make all more money. Books, but of
0: all the books, but
2: of all well, the books, The
1: Hobbit.
0: I'm, I'm down. Yeah, I mean, I liked those movies. They
2: weren't as I, good mm-hmm. as Lord of the
1: Rings, but... True, 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 true. And yeah. you did you did get a lot more information and background in those movies that yeah. you did not get from true. the
4: book. They have but some like, of my favorite portions from The Cimmerillion, which technically occurred during that book.
1: I do have to say... I am forever grateful of the scene in Rivendell mm-hmm. where Gandalf and Galadriel...
0: Uh, yeah, it's Galadriel. So it's Galadriel
1: and Elrond, right? And they have the, like, mental no, conversation. No, it's Gandalf. You were right the first time. Oh, it's Gandalf and Galadriel, and Sau- uh, Saruman is, like, just blah, 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 blah. Yes, and so yes. then they have, like, the mental <laughs> conversation that's basically, like, this guy, am I right? And, like... <laughs> perfect that that was great no notes. <laughs> okay i forgive it for that that was just that made my life
4: i kind of saw it very similarly to the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy movie which is that it was faithful beyond accuracy where it really <laughs> rode a lot of the themes. that is a
0: really good term for that man. Yeah. uh
4: mm-hmm. thank you i think I made it up, but maybe I didn't. The Hitchhiker's movie had the added bonus that Douglas Adams looked over the script and gave it an okay, whereas they, like, added whole stuff here Tolkien never really had any mind to. That said, there are themes in that book that are so freaking hard to get when you're just reading them, or, as I once tried to do, teach them in the classroom. But the movie was so over the top about it. It made them a lot more tangible, even at the expense of making the romance overplayed. I didn't mind that. My dad hated it, though.
1: The Hitchhiker's movie was really good, though.
4: (laughs) It was so goddamn good. I like
0: it. I really like... Uh, what was it you said? Faithful beyond accuracy. Yeah, that's a really good description of the um, Masters of the Universe revelation too. It's that thing of uh, mm-hmm. it's they're making the thing you remember reading or seeing rather than the thing as it actually was.
4: Yeah, there are a number of movies mm-hmm. and things that kind of you know what kind of hit me about it is that uh, I was rewatching Bram Stoker's Dracula, the <laughs> 1999 uh, Francis Ford mm-hmm. Coppola movie. Yeah. Um, and I, as Delicious. I'm watching it, I'm like, yeah, super bisexual movie. Also, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: um,
4: they went in with the, oh, this book is about vampirism's always sexual. Cool. Every time a power is exerted, it will be sexual in some way. Oh,
1: absolutely.
4: <laughs> oh, sounds like Geren But the entire thing plays like a dream or a nightmare. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, it's a lot like the book if you were really bored and wanted it to move faster than a gothic novel. I was going to say, because I was really bored reading that the book. The
1: book is so bad. Like, yeah. okay, it's not bad, sorry. It is surprisingly slow and dry for yeah. a vampire novel, you know. It is. Are
2: we are we talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I really want somebody to release a modern, very, uh, just like rip-roaring adventure-style satire of it by Blam Stoker.
4: <laughs> that
1: would be amazing.
4: Oh, Rowan, Mike Mayling, has you heard of Knight's Black Agents? No, no, what is that? I have not. There is this role-playing game that's pretty thick because most of it is the text of... Dracula with notes written over it. And essentially you are playing uh people who are hunting Dracula and the major conceit is you will most likely die. Dracula is very powerful. Um well, and they
0: can hold any job.
4: Yeah, Dracula's can hold any <laughs> job. Um and a major portion of it is the dread of any scene Dracula in is bad. This is then spoofed in the micro RPG, Oh fuck, it's Dracula. <laughs> Where every time Dracula enters a scene, you roll a die and one of six bad things happen, going from uh, totally kills a dude to you, he makes sweet love to you through your mind. You are now in love with Dracula. <laughs> that, sounds like, okay. that sounds like the way uh, some people I know
2: run
0: Curse of Strahd.
2: <laughs> to to me it reminds me of the micro RPG that came out around the uh uh you're walking back to your car at night, uh your phone oh, is in Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> yeah. Out of the corner of your eye you see him, Shia
0: LaBeouf.
4: Why was, uh, why was I drinking when you did that? Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. we were watching this show the other day and they were talking about how spit takes never happen in real life and I was like you've obviously never met
4: I I, <laughs> I actually had to train myself to not spit take which helps me better with sneezes because I would do it so often
1: and that show that we were watching, highly recommend. It's on Netflix, oh, yes. and it's called The History of the Hollywood Cliche. It's
4: actually
0: called Ooh. Attack of the Hollywood. Cliché, oh, Attack Cliché, of the Hollywood Cliche. Sorry. It's basically an hour-long TV version of uh, like a TV trope Ooh, sampling. I like. But that it's movie. a lot of fun. Nice.
1: It's really good, and it's hosted by Rob Lowe, and the writing is just incredible. The writing is. It's really so good. good.
0: <laughs> so really funny. Way better than Rob Lowe actually delivers
1: it. <laughs> yes.
4: <laughs> awesome. That's very good.
1: Honestly, I think, oh, thinking of like adaptation, like movie adaptations that just kind of like transported you to how you were feeling when you read the books
3: mm-hmm. and stuff.
1: I am not going to lie. When those kids went through the wardrobe in Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe, the latest one. Oh, yeah. And, like, you saw Narnia for the first time. Like, I legit cried. Yeah, they nailed that. Because off. I was just like, that, that's what I saw. Like, that's how I felt. And I was like, ooh, well done movies. None of the other ones are really that great. But, like, that <laughs> moment was the just vo- The image so so of the
4: drawn Treader was a movie that exists. <laughs> yeah, I remember loving and, that book too,
1: guys. I Prince love that Prince Caspian is hot shadow guy from Shadow and Bones.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> yep! Wow. They sure are.
1: So wow,
2: so, shit, you're right. Yeah. Okay.
1: So you know, what? like. Hey.
2: So what you're saying is he started hot and he's aged like a fine wine. <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. It's also like I was uh, watching a TikTok and it's the guy and his like uncle who always asks him like, "Oh nephew, oh. what's that movie that does this, this, and this?" and it's always like not what he says. But they talked about Taylor Lautner and how mm-hmm. Sharkboy and Lava Girl and Twilight are three years apart. <laughs>
4: that's wild. Three
1: years apart. And I was just like...
4: That's a fucking glow. He spent the entire oh. time pumping <laughs> chains.
1: Well, and, and, like, that just... That's why, like, people don't understand. When you teach high school, it's wild the transformation that boys go through.
2: Yeah, they go away for the summer and they come back and it's like, what, who are you? Yeah, It
1: is insane. And you're just like, oh, I'm sorry, are you <laughs> new <Explorers>, here? <laughs> like, yeah. Whereas, like, girls, we don't really have that, like, massive transformation. Thinking um,
0: as a former a hormonal turtle. teenage boy, yes, you fucking do.
1: <laughs> but it's not, it's not <laughs> the physical, like, you guys are freaking werewolves. <laughs> Like, it's, it's a huge transformation. But, like, yeah, just insane. Sorry, I went on, like, a tangent. But, you um, did, but it was yeah. a good
4: tangent. I'm not going to dispute anything. I just will say that I'm just so glad I'm not one of the people who has butt hair. That <laughs> people can have butt hair seems to be the cruelest fucking thing puberty does. I Why? Why would we need that? Do
1: it's because we used to have know. fur.
4: You've got to protect fur- that area
2: when you're shitting naked in the cold. It's <laughs> yep. already filled with fat. How
0: does it... Anyway, um, I know Listen, I'm late... Our, <laughs> bears are filled with fat, but they have fur too, Jairus. Are you, are you saying bears are a bad design? Uh, no, I think
4: um, large what are you, men with big bellies <laughs> are very attractive. and <laughs> Oh um, my
0: god! You posted that thing the other day about like the bellies. Yeah, the, the sexualizing the thing I hate most about myself, like the sacred belly, the belly. The sacred room.
4: belly peak. I, yeah,
0: I was literally. Little, I will go to any I any length sister. to avoid having that that poke. No, it was just weird because there were people agreeing with you in the comments, and I was like, "But I go to such great lengths to hide my belly from I, peeking out because it is the
4: grossest thing anyone's ever seen." Because like, I, I got called into eight once because my belly was peeking out. That's it, such it's not I don't know how to describe it. It is a completely different world in the gay. <laughs> it there are aspects about it in the it. gay <laughs> You can do a belly peek in the gay. <laughs> so it's kind of like underboob, I guess. It's a little like Underboob is what Which it is.
1: is gross. I'm sorry. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so what we're not helping, Mei
3: Not helping! What we're <you're laughs> establishing <laughs>
2: right here, right now, is that when it comes to fetishes... If you don't get it, you
0: just don't get it.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. You're
0: also <laughs> establishing that Mei Ling, after 10.30 p.m., is at her most judgy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, and also, also, Mei Ling, as as a person with boobs, you can't get away from the reality of boob, which is sweat.
1: Yes. It sucks. And
0: chafing.
1: It sucks. Yeah. Why are we
0: all talking about the reality of boobs as if any of us understand the reality of boobs? I'm married. Well,
1: I mean, technically all <laughs> of y'all have boobs. Yes. Everyone has I've been trying to boob. lose weight, okay? <laughs> it's okay. Embrace the boobies. But, like, yeah. But I with have consent. to say, though, I am very proud of myself. You guys mentioned Warhammer 40,000, and I did not go on a Tyranid rant. That's very. So,
2: yeah, no, there are that no tiernids in Dune, though. If there were, it would have been a better movie.
1: <laughs> well, technically, the the the, the, um, the sandworms t- tear, the, There are tiernids that uh, dig and pop I, out. And I didn't know that. that. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They made like r- way bigger models, and they're like huge and, and pretty and, and gorgeous, and they eat people.
4: Nice. And, and other big things. Babies. But also, peace. we
1: we are so that pirated
4: uh, rant we didn't go on. <laughs> we are go- getting near the end um, already. Wow, We've, that was yeah. fast. We've been going for an hour. Um, we should talk about what each of us have been doing. Uh, this week. Um, I am going to go first because I normally have been going last, and I've been trying to practice this. I caught up with uh visions and what if I. Like the very last part of Visions, I it was very harshly dark, like... Oh, yeah, I hated that thr- one. Threateningly depressing. Yeah, uh, I, I hated that one
0: with a burning passion.
4: I, I thought it was very tonally perfect for the story they were telling. I, I did think, oh, yeah, that's a very cool take on the dark side. That's fun. It mm-hmm. wasn't the best, certainly. Um, and I saw the very last What If, uh, which was pretty dang incredible and also hit the themes really better than I thought they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the way they set stuff up, and I'm very sad that they couldn't put the Gamora episode in this season. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I want to see yeah. what that was all about. Yeah. Uh, Jerris, oh, I do have yes. to ask... Yes. How did
2: you? How did you feel about that? That weird meta of the Watcher
4: turning Dark Strange into a mini Watcher. You know what I liked most about it is he kind of took a person that he showed at first detestment, like, I would never stoop this low. And he's like, here, now that I have broken my own code, let me teach you how to also have the same code, which I'm sure you're going to break. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to say that, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the fractal the fractalness of the show was a very good theme that they hit a lot. I'm really
0: mm-hmm. glad that, like all Marvel projects, it led to an Avengers team-up. <laughs> just, just, you
4: know, nice, hits the spot,
0: exactly what I wanted.
4: Is we also, because it was animated, got to see some really cool manifestations of powers mm-hmm. that we would not normally see.
0: Uh, my big thing this week is that I have a play opening on Saturday, <laughs> when the day this episode Woo! comes out, in fact. Yay. Uh, and so um, it's called She Kills Monsters it's about Dungeons and Dragons and a bunch of other things as well does she kill uh, monsters in it? she does yes awesome um, it, uh, you can find out more at world-elsewhere.com please come see it it's a really funny show and I'm really excited to see everybody there and it's a charity show supporting two amazing charities uh, Trans Lifeline and Mermaids UK who are both uh, charities supporting Lovely. Uh, transgender people around the world so uh, yeah, please so go it's... and check it out
1: it's live this Saturday, then there's going to be a rebroadcast, right?
0: Next Saturday, yep. So all of that info is at world-elsewhere.com. Yeah. And I'm contributing some music to that, which is cool. Yes, you are. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Um, th- today was asset gathering day during our tech, and they were like, we don't have any songs for this stuff. And I was like, okay, I have a friend who's a really good composer. Let me go, call- Let me go talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh and you're actually contributing three songs, Rowan. I realized I stole your battle music that you posted today without asking you, so <laughs> I hope that's
2: okay. Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> if, uh, if you could just rename that file Razor's Edge so that it's not in the credits as some kind of battle music maybe dot bo-
0: I will rename it in the program to Razor's Edge where it is currently credited as some kind of battle music baby. Alongside such luminaries as Sad Piano Piece. No. Spooky
2: Dream Piano Time.
0: That's right. And uh, Cinematic. Slow build. Yes. (laughs) So, you know. Poetry. (laughs) It works. Well done. The other thing I've been doing this week, so I never got into Metroid as a child, Uh, you know, all the Super Metroids that people played. I got into when on the Game Boy Advance, for some reason, I bought Metroid Fusion and got really into that game and have loved 2D Metroids ever since. And they just came out with Metroid Dread, which is a direct Mm -hmm. sequel some seven to ten years later, I think, maybe more, Mm -hmm. to Metroid Fusion. Uh, including some of the same mechanics, and basically a, assumes you have an understanding of that game, uh, and doesn't bother to explain much shit to you. Kind of like Dune. Uh, <laughs> so, but it's <laughs> it's a it reminds me of some of the best 2D games I've played. The difficulty is, I would say, perfectly tuned. Every boss that I'm facing, including the one that I'm currently fighting as we speak, uh, is really tough but not unbeatable tough. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like there's a pattern to learn for all of them, and you feel like you're making progress each time you fight them, as opposed to, like, oh, God, I'm never going to be able to beat this stupid boss. (sighs)
2: Sorry.
0: I uh, vaguely recently started playing Ori in the Blind
2: Forest, and, like, the bosses are fine, but, like, the very first big level that you have to do is, like, oh, repair this tree. Now the tree is flooding. Do... A full minute and a half of parkour, where if you fail even a little bit, you have to do the
0: entire thing again from the beginning. Oh, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. Please don't. Oh, that no, was very upsetting. No, no, no. Um, and
2: Ooh, that almost put me off the game completely. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it's better. Is It's giving you a better experience than that. Um.
0: Uh, the other thing that's really cool about it is... So I played through the game fairly linearly, but it is a Metroid Um, And people have found ways that Mm -hmm. were designed by the developers for you to use uh, any, like, actual skill at playing video games you may have picked up over the years to (laughs) jump ahead in the sequence uh, and get items before you're supposed to be able to, uh, to the point where there's actually the very first boss... If you go through and pick up an item early, has an insta kill move you can use on him using that item. Wow! Uh, which is really cool. So I just I love that. I love that it's somewhat linear but also not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the whole game just like a like a well designed Nintendo game. It feels like you're wandering around aimlessly, but the game is actually incredibly well designed to point you to where exactly exactly where you should be at all times.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's great. It reminds me of Breath of the Wild that way.
4: Mm-hmm. Ooh. Sounds like another uh, Nintendo yeah, essential just, game. Metroid
0: is just, I mean, I, I won't say it's better in 2D, because Metroid, the Metroid Prime games are our classics, but I just—I have a real appreciation for the 2D Metroid games.
1: Well, also, I love what they've done with the art style, that it's 2D, but, like, the backgrounds yeah. have a lot of depth to them so like Mm. there's just so much to look at (laughs) while you're on these like platforms it's it's a really pretty game except the monsters are kind of gross but
4: honestly that's a big reason why I can't really play it because the background's so distracting I have a hard time picking up on actionable information in that okay. game. Always had that problem with Metroid.
1: Mailing, your yes. turn Um so I've been mainlighting audiobooks. I think I have finished three books since last we talked. I finished all the Once Upon a Con series. So the first one is Based off Cinderella. The second one is Prince and the Pauper and the third one is Beauty and the Beast and excellently done. I highly, highly recommend them. Um, they're very geek-centric and kind of play on our love for the fandom and, and all of that. And also uh, very gay. Nice. So um, just really, really cool. And uh, then I read an audio drama called The Long Haul, and it was written by Neil Stephenson and some other person. Um, I will look it up and put it in the show notes. I'm so sorry, other person. I'm sure you are a really great sci-fi writer. But, uh, yeah, so I really wanted to read it because I know Neal Stevenson, he did Snow Crash? Yes. Okay, and so I, I I haven't gathered the courage to read Snow Crash yet. You'll love the first three quarters of Snow Crash.
0: Actually, I would even say the first nine tenths of Snow Crash. Uh, You remember you said you don't like being lectured? Oh, yeah, I don't. Oh,
4: yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the hard thing about Neal Stephenson. When that guy learns something, he's going to make sure you learn that thing, too.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, so that was kind of, I kind of picked up on that in this book. So the idea is that there's this bureau that is trying to prevent knowledge of the multi-dimensions um in the world like a uh, time variance authority kind of thing yes and men in black kind of like a a, co- a combination of the two so Ooh. um there are three main worlds there's our world and then there's the weird which is a like medieval time and then laminar which is a sci-fi future world and there's like agents going between the worlds, and like they're fighting, and it turns out that like you're kind- it's kind of like quantum in nature where once it's observed, it slowly starts collapsing, so it's like only the strongest world will survive or whatever um, oh so it's it's kind of an interesting story, and like it is really cool how they work in because it's an audio drama, like how they work in um dictaphone tapes and podcasts and like that's how you're getting like the information in different viewpoints.
4: Ooh, I like that.
1: There's a makeout scene that happens. And there's nothing less sexy than hearing people kiss.
4: Yep, yep.
1: Get that. And I was just like fade to black, fade to black. I don't need to he- Stop. Like when it's described, like in our saucy Regency romances, with the tension, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's okay. exciting. well, yeah, that's nice, as opposed to. Mackie, mm, mm,
2: mm, mm, ooh, yeah,
1: and it was mm. just like it was just like wet and disgusting, and I was like, skip. Oh my god, no! They should just
4: cut to. A little, um, like a team pot steaming and whistle going off. A train going right, right. tunnel. But like
2: now for your hearing pleasure, two people eating the same wet peanut butter and jelly sandwich. For <laughs> <So> five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, luckily it wasn't that long, but yeah, I was just kind of like, ooh, director? No. Um, I definitely kind of got a sense that neither of these writers really mm, like women. That's
2: that rough.
1: That much, like the female characters mm. weren't really oh. that great. But which is which is fine, which is fine. It's okay. It doesn't always have to be about us women, but it's just kind of nice when we're on equal footing as men. But you know, cool. It's whatever. nice
2: when you're reading a book that's to rough. feel like you, you exist. a you exist and b the fact. Of your existence is respected.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, it was good. Like, I didn't, I didn't hate it. <laughs> oh,
0: it sounds like you have a
1: similar what? reaction that I had to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, really, I kind of feel like it, it's your Dune reaction. And I mean, the the one saving grace is that, like, I didn't have to buy it because it was included in my Audible membership. So I'm like, oh, okay, fine, whatever. Um the one book that I did spend my Audible credit on right now is a book called When Dreams Descend and Ooh. it is a retelling kind of a Phantom of the Opera which um I don't know if I've really <laughs> talked about my my fandom with a ph on the podcast before
0: No, no one's ever talked about that on this show.
4: No, not this episode. <laughs> right
1: yeah, true. But yeah, so like this one's kind of interesting because like magic is real. Let's go on. But but <laughs> it's used so there are labor magicians who are mostly women. Okay. And then there are show magicians who use up the magic mana or whatever of the earth or something. I'm sure we're going to get into it later. Who use it up to put on shows (laughs) and entertain. And so, like, the Phantom, basically, he's called the Master. That's his name throughout the book. Mm -hmm. And, like, I know that I'm, like... I have a a very, like, rosy colored glasses and, like, I have my feels about Eric, but in this book, I'm just like, oh my god, this is so bad. What I love about
0: this conversation <laughs> like, is that we had this conversation before
1: without so relaying
0: disclaimer, where she was like, and the Phantom in the TV show, in the stage play isn't that bad, and I was like, uh, he kidnaps Christine twice. Once, while singing about how much he wants yep. to fuck her.
1: Yeah, but um, she also needs to make a choice and take ownership over her own things. He I will say the, Chris- <laughs> the Christine, the Christine in this book has her own agenda, and she's she's working it.
2: Is it to get kidnapped? Because that's going to work out.
4: Hey, hey! It's not the Phantom's fault that girls are into chads with complete faces.
1: But yeah, so we've just met the Raul character And Mm. he's a natural born uh, magician And he's going to be judging this magic show contest That the Christine character is um, going into But for some reason the Eric character is like Not wanting her to be part of the, the world or something like that I don't know I'm gonna find out what's happening. I'm kind of enjoying it in my little teenage goth sense, but I'm also just kind of like, this is this is really kind of like heavy-handed, and I don't know. We'll see. We'll hmm. see. But
2: so, uh, Rowan, why don't you go for it? Uh, so I haven't. Uh, had a lot of stuff going on in the past two weeks purely because I've been stressing out about school Mm, instead. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Destiny 2. The Halloween event is going on, which is uh, kind of funny because it's basically just uh, Glint the Ghost being like, we have to go and investigate all this paranormal activity where all the aliens are because these pumpkin headed things have shown up. And like, nobody else believes that they exist. Every, everybody he tries to tell about, oh yeah, we're fighting the the headless, the, we're fighting the headless, uh-huh. they have pumpkin heads, and they drop loot, and everybody's like, I don't know why I asked you what was going on for you. Would you say that these are some pretty great pumpkins? They're, they're very large, mm-hmm. they're also on and, top of, of big, big muscle body and dudes. And would
4: you say that the main character who no one believes they exist has a comfort blanket? Um, they are a tiny floating robot. So, so... yeah, it is
0: it is an analog for Linus.
4: Okay, good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I've been I've been playing that uh watching through a, whatever anime I can get my hands on. I found a couple that are good so far, but this early in the season, I'm not throwing out Rex because like, they still have plenty of opportunity to take it in a direction that I ultimately Just would not up. like. Yeah. Um, the one cool thing that I did want to talk to you guys, to all of you about, was um, Phantom uh, Dark Fates, which is basically, uh, it was a Kickstarter where the idea was Hey, we'd like to put out another very pretty set of cards that you can use to generate characters and backstories. Uh, These ones, instead of things like the story engine, these ones will uh, resemble kind of like tarot style cards. Um, They recently released an app that you can use uh, while they figure out the rest of production side stuff. Uh, I downloaded it and opened it up, and here is the character that it generated the first time that I used it to generate a character. The character class is Warlock. Okay. For the Origins card, as in where they came from, I got the Heavenly Plane. Okay. Oh, all right. uh, Background Deity. (laughs) A A Warlock who
0: is or was a deity. Okay, a warlock who a warlock who is their own patron is a character concept that's I very really much like.
4: that would be a really good diva character be like, yeah, I'm kind of trying this thing where I'm supposed to be my own progeny, and eventually I'll go through trials that'll help me understand the like material existence. I don't know, it's this thing we go through sometimes, well but sure, but
2: let me, let me read out the rest of it. So, uh, sure. Every character comes with two bonds. Uh, one bond is to a son, who is a ranger. I'm assuming it's this character's son. And a bond to an enemy, which is a brother, presumably their own brother. The mark of the past, the influence of what's the reason they ended up in this position, is corruption by the father and the impetus for them adventuring is betrayal to a henchman.
4: Whoa. Whoa.
2: Yeah. Interesting. So basically, I took all of this and went, okay, so basically, this is a former deity who maybe has a pact bond with their son who is still a deity, who was cast down via, like, some kind of um, conspiracy between a henchman of theirs and their brother because of the influence of their father, and is now, like trying to get revenge or something like, whoa, that. uh, that's a very epic yeah. background. Yeah. And then it was just like, eh, random cards. First time I opened up the thing and I was like, wow. Uh, okay. This is a very unique concept. All right. I guess I'll use this more. So yeah, that's, um, that's me. Other than that, um, uh having panic attacks when you have things to do makes life really difficult yeah. and also yeah. um it's it's really hard sometimes like i don't i don't think that i have adhd but i've also never been tested and there are definitely times where i just kind of i have a thing i need to do i know that panicking doesn't help me do that thing mm. But I'll finish a task, and my brain will behave like a dog where I was playing fetch with it, and it's come back with a stick, and I'm like, okay, and I reach for the stick, and it insists on fighting me for the stick instead of giving it back so we can continue what we were doing. Uh-huh. It's, it's rough. <laughs> Hugs. But on positive news, tomorrow, on Tuesday, I have my first actual session of therapy.
4: Last time was awesome. intake. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It does. Yeah. I hope it's a good fit. Me too.
2: Um, it's going to be fun eventually getting to talk with a male therapist about my fears and concerns about ultimately turning out to be a mediocre white man. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll just, you know, it's, we're going to see how it goes. I am, at this point, optimistic.
0: Well, wow. Excellent. All right. Well. Thank you. Folks, this has been the Ace of Geeks podcast. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Ace of Geeks, on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Ace of Geeks, and uh, all, as always, head to aceofgeeks.net for all the latest episodes and some stuff where you can jump on early and things like that. Uh, my name is Mike Fatum. I am one of your hosts. I don't know why I said that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at VengeanceGod. Uh, you should also check out The League of Swords at League of Swords. Uh, you can find out my suddenly viral TikTok account at VengeanceGod2, um, and,
2: uh... <laughs> is that, is that, is that TikTok still blowing it's, up? Oh,
0: it's over, it was over 150k last time I saw Whoa! It. Yeah. God damn! Uh, I haven't checked it tonight. Nice. It probably is over 200 if it keeps growing like that. And my follower count is at, uh... Sub three hundred hey. <laughs> uh but uh, it, most importantly, please, please, please come see She Kills Monsters either today when you listen to this episode or on uh, a week from. Uh, so either on the twenty seventh the
1: twenty-third
0: uh, or the thirtieth. Twenty-third or the thirtieth. Thank you. You can find out more info at world elsewherecom
2: Okay, and this is this is going to be a uh, an, uh, a web portal virtual yes. performance. Okay, yeah, got and it.
0: We're, we're setting it up to look like a DD stream so it should be a lot of fun nice rowan go for it hello my name is
2: rowan i also resemble one of your guests wait one of your hosts Yes, a guest every single week somehow. Uh, so I uh, have some uh, cool little deets and dudes that I made during the pandemic in order to keep from going mad. They are they should be linked in the show notes. I have a SoundCloud link where you can check some of that stuff out. Uh, if you decide that you like what you've heard and would be interested in encouraging me to make more music using your money, I have a coffee account ko-fi.com slash that's s-a-l-e-i-b-r-i-e-l uh you can drop some money in there and you will earn my eternal gratitude Jairus
4: go <laughs> hi I'm Jairus um it, you can find some of my writings on magic and theology at firstchurchofthemorningstar.com other than that I don't really do a lot of public stuff online but if we're friends please reach out and of course always I appreciate it if you write us a review.
1: I'm mailing. I'm the super judgy one <laughs> after 10:30. Um, you can find me on TikTok, and um, so it's at MLKitty1875. And uh, yeah, we we
0: appreciate your emails uh, whenever you send them. We got one this week, which we really appreciated, So thank you for that, um, Jarrett. If they want to email us, how can they do that?
4: A C E O F G E E. K-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G at gmail.com. At Ace of Geeks Podcasting at gmail.com.
0: Also, when you go to net, sign up for our mailing list, and you can get notified when, as soon as episodes go live and learn maybe about some uh, new projects we're working on before anybody else. So uh, sign up for the mailing list. Uh, we would yes. love to be more in touch with you. And then I guess we will end the way we always have. <gasps> Hello and of Geek, geek podcast. Podcast. That was the 8th of Geek Podcast. Hello, Hello and welcome. welcome.
4: That's chumbacasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary.
3: Dwight, void where prohibited by law. D terms and conditions, 18 plus.